One of the things that we're going to see on Sunday is, remember if you were here on Sunday, that chapter 10 opens up with the 70 that are going out. They go out two by two. Well, we're going to read that they return. And when they return, they return with great joy. And you see, one of the things of serving the Lord and walking with the Lord and learning of the Lord, you know what the result is? Is joy. It's joy. That Ackerman, J-O-Y, Jesus first, other second, you last. It's completely flies in the face of what the world tells us that you are first. You see, if you reverse that, then you may have some pleasure and, you know, a good time for a short season. But here's the thing. The Lord desires to give you that joy unspeakable in your heart because you're living for him. And here's the thing. We were created for his good pleasures, Revelation chapter 4 tells us. And we were created for good works in Christ Jesus, that we are his workmanship, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. You see, we're not saved by works. But the Lord, as he saves us by grace through faith, it's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, to know this that we don't boast in ourselves, but we are created to be his workmanship, his poem, created in Christ Jesus before the world even began. He knew that you would be here, that you'd be in this place, and I believe he wants to speak to you, how you can be used and how you can bless those around you and in the body of Christ and others that are linked to you in your life. Because you were created for his good pleasures and for his workmanship. And we have the privilege and honor to be able to serve in this day, in this generation, and how that is so needed. So pray about those things, all right? Another, another flyer about different areas, how you can serve here at Calvary Chapel. And we want to encourage you. So if the Lord lays it on your heart, we'll pray with you. We'll encourage you in any way that we can. So did I say you only had a couple of announcements? Okay. <laughs> Let's get on with the Bible study. I do have a, a quick prayer request. Uh, Sheriff Steve Reams, his family, was in a serious uh, car accident, his mom and, and his siblings in Nebraska. So I told him this afternoon that we would pray for him as they're healing. They got serious injuries, and um, so they're healing in Nebraska, and uh, we want to lift them up. Plus, uh, Rob uh, Wyman grabbed me, and he said, Belle uh, is in, in bed because she did something to her hip. So why don't we lift them up in prayer? Father, we ask that you would just bring healing to Belle as um, she's so precious to us. And uh, so we pray that you would touch her hip. You know what's wrong. And uh, we pray that uh, she would be able to get out of bed. And she got those three uh, just uh, very active boys, very smart boys that are blessing that run around the church here. And we're just delighted to see them growing and getting older. So we pray that you would touch her, that she would be able to, to do what she needs to do. And uh, um, Lord, just be with Rob and the boys and uh, to minister to her. We pray for your healing touch upon her. And Lord, we also want to lift up our sheriff, his family, that uh, his mom and siblings were in a, a serious car accident. And Lord, as they're healing, be with the doctors and the nurses as they minister to them, uh, as their wounds and um, and um, the things that they're experiencing, uh, they would recover. And I just pray that you'd be with uh, Sheriff Reams and um, as he is ministering to his family right now. Again, we thank you for his service to our community. 
and all those who are of the Weld County Sheriff's Office and first responders. And uh, Lord, as they're coming to a time of the year with the holidays coming, it can be difficult and it can be hard. And Lord, I do pray that you just be with them and their families and protect them, those who wear the badge and the shield and uh, those of uh, law enforcement and, and Weld County. And um, Lord, we just pray for a hedge of protection around them. And we thank you for their service and those who are our firefighters and first responders and paramedics because they don't get to take that time off. It, it continually is something that they have to do and something that they are dedicated to doing. And Lord, I do pray for those who perhaps as we are entering into closing October and entering into November and December, it can be a difficult time of the year for people, for those who are going through loss, those who are going through difficulties or sickness. And Lord, we pray for your touch to be upon them. And Lord, we be sensitive uh, to ministering to those around us. And I pray that as we, we have ministries available, surviving the holidays with grief share, that it would be a blessing to, to those who are really hurting over loss during this time of the year. Or Lord, that perhaps those who are feeling just dry spiritually or hurting because of circumstances, that Lord, that this would be really a place for them to be blessed and prayed for and encouraged and lifted up. Just as we read the word tonight, I pray that it would have that effect on us and just ministering to our hearts, Lord. Help us to grow in wisdom, to be attentive. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you. Chapter 17 of the book of Proverbs is we continue our journey through Proverbs and we read that in chapter 17, it's better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. And, and this goes along with what we read in chapter 15, uh, verse 17, that tells us that it's better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. And of course, what's valuable to, to us in our homes is the presence of the Lord is there and the peace of the Lord is there. And, and perhaps as we do enter into coming up in the next couple of weeks, we're thinking about Thanksgiving and we'll be with, with friends, we'll be with family. And, and maybe you're here and you're thinking we don't have a whole lot to be able to to have for Christmas or a big Christmas feast or whatever. But if you have Christ in your home and you have the peace of Christ in your home, you have something that is so valuable and, and such a tremendous blessing. But I know that some of you, as we look at the other side of the spectrum, maybe that you're looking at, oh, it's a hard time of the year because, uh, because I am going to be with family. I'm going to be with uh, friends or those who perhaps are, you know, you're linked to in life, maybe with some office gatherings and it's hard. And maybe it's hard because there's some strife that's there. Maybe it's hard because you're the only Christian in your family or you're the only Christian that is in your office. And so we want to pray for you and, and uh, we want to encourage you during this time. But as we have our homes that we go to, may we keep the proper perspective that just to have the Lord there and, and the blessings of the Lord and, and the things of the Lord that are spoken of and the praises of the Lord in our home, as we have peace, that's what's a tremendous blessing. And that's what Proverbs is telling us here. And then in verse two, and a wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and sh will share an inheritance among the brothers. 
So a servant oftentimes or a steward would have the responsibility to care for his master's children. And again, I want to remind us as parents and uh, perhaps as, as grandparents, we want to take the, the priority seriously of raising our children in the ways of the Lord, in the admonition of the Lord. And, and we can't just leave it uh, to uh, be avoided or passive about it, but especially in these days, because the enemy is out to pull our children away from the Lord. Um, there are so many voices out there to pull them away from the truth of the Lord. So we want to make sure that we're ministering to them in that way. Raising our children, we are instructed parents to teach them the things of the Lord, the way of the Lord, the admonition of the Lord, and not provoke them to, to anger. But a lot is said to us and encouraging, even as Proverbs talks about disciplining them and, and teaching them wisdom and things like that. But I also want to make another application, and that is that as we minister to God's children, That is, he entrusts us. Maybe perhaps you're ministering to somebody at work or you're discipling somebody or perhaps that you're ministering, you know, uh, in a small group or whatever the case may be, that we would take good care of what's been entrusted to us. You know, I'm reminded of what Paul, when he was writing or speaking to the Ephesian elders, as we read in the book of Acts, that he said, take heed to yourselves and and make sure that you minister to all the flock of God that uh, he has purchased with his blood. And the thing is, is that those that we minister to, remember that they belong to the Lord. They are his children, his sons and his daughters. And for us to be able to minister in whatever way and however way that the Lord has called us to, is that we want to make sure that we take good care of them. That, Lord, you've entrusted these children to me in my home or this group to me that I get the chance to disciple or or minister to and that we would take it very seriously. And Lord, uh, you help me in doing that. And then in verse three, that the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. You know, the, the Lord desires to refine our hearts and to remove the impurities. And that's the way that metal is, um, you know, purified. It's heated up, isn't it? And then as the goldsmith or the silversmith, that that metal that's heated up, the, the dross, the impurities come to the top and he scrapes it off. And the way and the process for you and I to be purified. Those of us who have been around the church long enough, remember the old song, Refiner's Fire, it's about 15, 20 years old. Yeah, it's a popular song, wasn't it? Refiner's Fire, you know, my, Lord, my desire is to be holy. That's a cool song. But you know what the process is in being refined is we will go through fiery, hot, difficult times. And that's the process which the Lord uses to bring up the dross and the impurities out of us, out of our hearts. And then he desires to scrape it off as we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You know, the silversmith, the goldsmith knew that he had taken the impurities out when he could see his reflection in that metal that was being heated up. And the Lord desires to see somewhat of his reflection in you as he's working in your heart, as he's working that holiness and righteousness, but yielding to him. You see, so much, again, of Christianity is, you know, being happy and what's in it for me and stuff. If we really want to sing that song and mean it in our hearts, Refiner's Fire, 
That means the Lord, I'm going to yield to you and there's going to be fiery trials. But you know what? I don't think it's strange when I go through fiery trials because there's the testing of my faith, as Peter writes. And he talks about then genuine faith that comes out of that. And James says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings endurance and it has this perfect work, or that is, it brings maturity to you and to me. So God uses those trials and those difficulties to begin to do that refining process in us. And I just want to encourage you that may be here tonight, that maybe you're going through a difficult season right now in your life. And maybe it's been hard and, and, and it feels like the heat's been turned up. You know what? Praise God, because he wants to do a work in you and bring in holiness into your life and in your heart and purifying your heart and increasing your faith. So here, the refining pot is for silver and furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. In verse 4, an evildoer gives heed to a false lips. A liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. And we're not to be ones that like to listen to gossip and spite. And, And really, it's indicative of your heart. And we need to be careful because, you know, our flesh maybe wants to you know, hear that piece of juicy news about somebody or, you know, spite about somebody. And here's the thing. When we are attentive and desiring to hear gossip, we don't care if it's true or not concerning that person. We live in a culture and we live in a society where we love to tear people down. And we love to gossip and we love to get the latest juicy news on this person that, you know, the latest candidate, the latest, you know, uh, football star, the latest rock star, whatever it may be. And we carry it in in our own lives, the latest news about this person. And I pray that we're not that way. I love what Paul the Apostle writes. I know I've said this many times, but I think it's just really wise as he's inspired by God to write it to the church at Thessalonica. He says that lead a quiet life, work with your hands, and mind your own business. And I think that's really wise, isn't it? Because we want to be involved in everybody's business in our society today. We think we have to be in the know. And there's means by which, you know, everything's displayed in social media and and in the main media and all this other stuff and talking heads all over the radios and things like that that love to just gossip and bring spite. And all the news that's out there, it's overload. Lead a quiet life. Work with your hands. Mind your own business. And you're just going to be a whole lot happier. And don't be given in to spite and gossip. And if you are, it's indicative that your heart's not right with the Lord. A liar listens to spiteful tongue is what the scripture says here. And then in verse 5, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. And who he is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. So the poor have a very special place in God's heart. And if we have contempt for the poor, then we're speaking against God. And children's children are the crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. So uh, those of you who are grandparents, you tell me how precious that is being a grandparent. And and I'm sure that it is. And... um, 
what a, a precious thing to have is children's children, the crown of old men. I, I can't wait to be a grandpa. I pray I'm a grandpa sometime. It's the crown of an old man. It makes me feel better getting older, right? So, and the glory of children is their father. An excellent speech is not becoming to a fool, much less lying lips to a prince in verse 7. Um, you know, this verse 7, excellent speech is not becoming to a fool. You can, you know, be foolish and try to come out with elegant speech and, you know, try to sound real persuasive or whatever. I call verse 7 the Eddie Haskell verse. Remember Eddie Haskell? Those of us who are old enough, leave it to Beaver. Now, I don't like to use TV shows and things as an example, but I couldn't help but think about Eddie Haskell. You know, he was Wally's friend, Wally Beaver, and, you know, his parents. And Eddie Haskell always came over and was real nice to, you know, uh, Wally's parents and spoke real nicely and kindly. And he wasn't fooling you know, Ward or June, right? And they knew that he was just full of it. So I call this the Eddie Haskell verse, you know, and then he'd turn around and say something really dumb and, and all of this. You don't want to be like Eddie Haskell. All right. Maybe you can play the game of being eloquent in speech, but the people that know you know that you speak foolish things and you're going to turn around and, and go that way of foolishness. So you can be a great orator and intellect, but you can still be a fool in what you do and, and how you continue uh, to, you know, conduct yourself in life. In verse 8, a present is a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor. Wherever he turns, he prospers. You know, here is a present is more of a bribe that's being talked about in the Hebrew. The English standard version says a bribe is like a magic stone in the eyes of the one who gives it. Um, it's not saying that bribes are okay, but how somebody perceives and, you know, and taking a bribe, giving a bribe. He thinks it's a precious stone and he's deceived in the long run. Because first of all, he's not trusting in the Lord. And you can't bribe the Lord. So the precious stone isn't trying to bribe or buy your way out of something. It's trusting in God. And then in verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And we know that the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins, just as uh, that is uh, one he who covers a transgression seeks love. Um, you know, to cover a multitude of sins. That it doesn't mean that, as some will say, that, you know, love covers a multitude of sins, so we're not going to judge you, and we're just going to, to love you, and we're not going to judge anybody, so just come as you are. I've heard, you know, ministers and pastors use that verse. Love covers a multitude of sins, and just come. It doesn't matter how you're living or lifestyles or if you're involved in sin. Listen, if we truly love somebody, we're going to give them truth, aren't we? We're going to give them the truth of God's word because we care for them. And we want them to do well in the things of the Lord. But love covering a multitude of sins also says that you and I, that in our relationships with brothers and sisters, that we're going to love each other through those you know, difficult times or when we fall short. Listen, the only one that will not let you down is Jesus. Because none of us are perfect. We try to be blameless, don't we? And we desire to, to, to do that with others. 
But over time, we fall short at times. And we may say something that is hurtful or do something that, that makes somebody upset or whatever. And what love does is being able to come together and say, you know, I'm sorry I said that and I'm sorry I hurt you and to be able to forgive. Love covers that. It's not, well, I'll forget you and I'm never going to talk to you again. That isn't what the Lord desires. But there to be clarity and understanding and there to be healing and restoring of that relationship because love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, there's love in this church. And we need to understand that he's the one that we exalt. And he's the one that is perfect. The rest of us aren't. And we're not a perfect church. And there isn't any perfect family. And I'm not a perfect pastor. Now, that's not an excuse for us to be sloppy and negligent and and careless in our relationship with others. But we are going to fall short at times, especially the longer that you stay here. And I know that the scripture says that love covers a multitude of sins. Listen, we're family. And let's stick together and work things out and talk with that person that perhaps that, you know, you're having a difficult time with or maybe hurt you or whatever. So that's what it means. But here's another part of it because it's contrasting thoughts in these verses here. But he who repeats a matter separates friends. If you keep you know, hurting somebody or gossiping against somebody, you're going to end up destroying relationships. So a warning is given to us here. A good exhortation and then a warning. Love that as he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And verse 10 tells us that rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. So a wise person will receive instruction. And the one who is wise is going to receive the word of God and desires to have it applied in their life. And that's the person. You don't have to you know, take a whip and beat them with it. Because a fool doesn't want to understand or receive wisdom. And that's what's being told to us here. And then in verse 11, an evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. I think that this is a real important verse for us to consider, especially in the culture that we're in. Because we live in a culture where being rebellious is kind of cool. That's what the world says. And that's what Hollywood is trying to relay to us. That, you know, kids being rebellious to their children, uh, that's a cool thing. You know, those who work for somebody being in rebellion against your boss or your employer, that's a cool thing. You don't own me, you know, is the, the popular commercial, right? And, and those who have that mentality, listen, be careful. Because you're going to have problems in life. And the Bible comes along and says, do everything decently in order. And there's an order that the Lord sets up that we see in the prison epistles that Paul talks about relationships between husband and wife and parents and children and employer and employee. He, he says, first of all, before in Ephesians chapter 5, he begins to talk about, uh, you know, being submissive to one another in the fear of God. In other words, all of us are submitted to God, right? And that is our priority. Lord, I'm submitted to you and I want to live for you and I want to please you with my life in humility and walking in the fear of the Lord. But then he says, this is how you submit to one another 
And he says, husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. And again, husbands, what that means is, is that we cherish our wives and we, we serve them and we're willing to lay down our lives for her. And the husband is the head of the wife. That doesn't mean that God loves the man more than the woman. It doesn't mean that as men, we get to walk around like King Tut around our homes being all dictatorial. It means that we live in our wife, with our wives in an understanding way. We are to encourage them, to listen to them, to cherish them. Again, all of this, that's what leadership truly is. And as we do, the Lord's going to bless that relationship. And wives, being submissive to your husband as unto the Lord. Again, our Lord was submitted to the Father. That he who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, with the Father, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. He became a servant. And ladies, wives, your submission is in just obedience and in humility to the Lord. And you encourage your husband and respect him as you pray for him. Encourage him, pray with him. It doesn't mean you don't make decisions together. Sue and I have been married for 26 years and we've made a lot, probably most of our decisions we make together as we pray about it. But, But there have been times where she's turned to me And she says, you're the head of this house. You're my husband and you need to make the decision. Here's what my thoughts are. We've prayed about it. This is what the Lord's telling me. And I'm going to pray that the Lord gives you the right direction and I'm going to be for you. And it's such a tremendous blessing and some big decisions. One of those decisions was to come up to Greeley and start Calvary Chapel Greeley. And she was just willing to, whatever the Lord is telling you, here's where I feel. This is what I want to do. Hey, let's pack up and let's go. She was a great encouragement. But she also knew that it was a decision that I needed to make for our family. And other times as well, when it came to homeschooling, when it comes to other decisions that we made. And then it goes on and says that children, you're to obey your parents and honor your parents. And that's a command that's given of the Lord. And then parents that you're to raise your children in the ways of the Lord, don't provoke them to anger. And then also that you who are servants, that you obey your masters or employees to your employer, not giving lip service, but doing it pleasing to the Lord. And then masters, make sure that you treat your servants the right way because knowing that you have a master in heaven. You see, the Lord sets up this order that we can have good relationships with one another, that there's peace and stability that's in the marriage and in the home and in the workplace. But if there's rebellion, then there's going to be difficulty. So we need to be careful what society and what culture is teaching, particularly our young people, that being rebellious is kind of cool and, you know, uh, to, you know, you know, exalt yourself and and assert yourself in all of this. Be careful because you're going to end up getting swallowed up. And you can just ask Korah and Dathan and the 250 leaders that came to Moses there in the book of Numbers and said, Moses, you and Aaron take too much upon yourself. We're special too. And you see, as you read those chapters, there are chapters 16 and 17 of the book of Numbers, you see that they were coming against Aaron particularly because he was the high priest. He's the one that got to go into the Holy of Holies to see the Shekinah glory of God. Hey, we're special too. You take too much upon yourself, Aaron. And Korah was from the tribe of Levi. He was of the family of the Levites, the Kohathites, that got to carry the Ark of the Covenant. 
He had a pretty special ministry. But yet he shows rebellion in coming against the leadership there of Moses and Aaron. What ended up happening is the earth swallowed, opened up and swallowed those guys all up. And if you have a spirit of rebellion, any of us, against authority or the way that the Lord sets up that authority and order in our lives, then you're just going to get eaten up. And you're going to get swallowed up with a lot of difficulties and hardships. You're going to have a difficult time in relationships and keeping a job and other things. So we need to be careful. And then in verse 12, let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. And of course, a mother bear is very, very dangerous, right? One of the things when I take the kids hiking up in Yellowstone in the springtime, you got to be really careful. You got to have the, the bear spray with you as we walk in the Lamar Valley, as we walk in the Hayden Valley, because the grizzlies are out with their cubs. And that's where most guys end up getting mauled by bears when they surprise a sow with her cubs. And in Yellowstone, you got to be really careful of um, the, the grizzlies particularly. Um, even just recently in Fair Play, um, somebody's hunting this last week, uh, scared a black bear and the black bear, you know, kind of clawed him up. He ended up being okay, scratched up. But a bear with cubs, you got to be real, real careful. Second Samuel chapter 17, it was after Absalom usurped the throne away from David. Absalom's David's son. He comes into Jerusalem. He steals the hearts of the men of Israel is what it tells us. And a trumpet blows. And David, instead of wanting to, to fight there in Jerusalem and blood being spilled in Jerusalem, he takes his mighty men. He takes some of his counselors and some of those who are in the palace and they leave. They go over to Mount of Olives and they head out into the wilderness. And David gets word that Ahithophel, his trusted advisor, is with Absalom. He sided with Absalom. And David was so heartbroken that he writes about it in Psalm 55. He says that if it was my enemy, I could bear with it. But it was my equal, my companion. And we walked together to the house of the Lord in the night. And the scripture says that Ahithophel, that his counsel to David was like the oracles of God. And David was one that that he was a man after God's own heart. And we talk about the relationship between David and Jonathan in 1 Samuel. I think the one that David was really close to was Ahithophel. And I just picture him at night and David is just receiving counsel from Ahithophel and sharing his heart and those late night talks. And, and he's hurting in Psalm 55. Oh, if it was my enemy, I could bear it, but it was my equal, my companion. Ahithophel's with Absalom. He sided with Absalom. And the reason that Ahithophel did that, because he had a granddaughter named Bathsheba. And he was angry. He was angry for years and it built up and he wanted to kill David. And, and when David hears that Ahithophel is there with Absalom, he prays, Lord, confuse the counsel of Ahithophel. He knew he was in trouble. So he gets Hushai, Hushai, who was with David. David says, Hushai, you need to go back to Absalom. You need to go back as a, a counselor, like you're on his side. So Hushai does that. 
Absalom's there on the throne. He says, okay, David has escaped out of Jerusalem. He's out in the wilderness with his men. Uh, what should I do? Ahithophel uh, says that you need to go after him tonight. Let me get the choices of men, the fighters that are left, and let me go after David and I will kill him tonight. That's how angry he was. I'll get David while he's on the run and I'll kill him. But Hushai would confuse his counsel by saying that don't do that, Absalom, because David's going to be like a bear with cubs. And what you need to do is wait. And what you need to do is you need to gather all the men that you can find from Dan in the northern part of the country to Beersheba and gather them and then we'll go up against David. That's what that's what we need to do. And, and Absalom said, okay, I like that advice because he is going to be like a bear without cubs. And Ahithophel knew that that advice was wrong. And he goes out and he hangs himself. And that's it for Ahithophel. And it ended up being bad news. You know how it ended up that Absalom ended up being killed. And it was just a bloody, ugly mess, a civil war that ended up happening Listen, following a fool is dangerous. And you don't want to follow a fool. Somebody who's in rebellion against the Lord, somebody who's in rebellion against the things of the Lord. You want to be careful, just as we've been talking about. Listening and following a fool is going to hang you up in all kinds of different ways. So we're told here of the wisdom that we are to, to not be following the folly of a fool. And in verse 13, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. It's true. Happens all the time. Listen, he can't enable that evil continues in your home. And sometimes parents have a hard time with that. Well, if I just leave my son alone, leave my kids alone, you know, even though things are going on downstairs, you know, I'm not going to stir things up. Listen, if you enable it, evil will not depart from your house. There is a time where you need to say this is wrong and it's not allowed here. And sometimes that can be hard for parents. I talk to parents all the time, especially when kids grow up and they have a difficult time and the things that are done and things that are going on. But here's a good piece of advice for us. Whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. And it's true for a nation as well, isn't it? It seems like more and more we reward evil for good. And if we continue on that trend, evil will not depart from this nation. In the beginning of strife, it's like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. And so once water flows, it's hard to stop, isn't it? The only way to, to the source of water to stop flowing is turn it off. So once water flows, it can't be stopped. So be careful in what comes flowing out of our mouths. Just stop it. Stop and think. And we all know that to be true. You know, don't start strife and, and contention and, and things that are hurtful because uh, once it starts coming out, it's, it's hard to stop it. Let's see, where are we? Verse... 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them are like an abomination to the Lord. So we live in a society that we're calling good evil and evil good and 
condemning the just. And I think it, again, as we live in a world and in a society and culture that evil's being exalted, you know, we justify wickedness today. And remember, it's abomination to the Lord. And it could get worse as we get closer to the return of the Lord. And why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it? You know, you can pay to go to take classes or go to college, but if you don't have a heart to learn, it's not going to do you any good. You don't have a heart to really go, it's not going to do you any good. People will say to me sometimes that I, I need to find a real good Christian counselor and, you know, I'm going to, to pay for it. But if your heart isn't right to receive good counsel, Godly counsel is not going to do you any good. Folks, I'm just being honest. Because I've kind of been doing it for 25 years. Now, we don't charge for counseling. I like to call it discipleship. Because our counsel here is the word of God. That's what we're going to give you, and it's free. But if you don't have a heart for it, if you don't have a heart for the word of God and receiving it and being humbled before the Lord then you're just going to go through difficulties so something here worth really pondering upon why is there in the hand of a fool the purchase price of wisdom since he has no heart for it and a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity a true friend will be there in difficult times and a man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend and he who loves transgression loves strife. And he who exalts his gate seeks destruction, verse 19. And unfortunately, there are those who always seem to have, you know, be a source of strife and contention and, and all of this. When I was growing up, the block bully, his name was Nathan. And you avoided him. He was, he was just the block bully. And he was tough. And if you crossed him, you know, he was going to beat you up. He was just always looking for strife and contention. So we'd avoid him, you know, at most times. Well, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, we used to have block parties, you know, where the whole neighborhood got together and stuff. And we did that. This is back in Kansas. And we had a time of watermelon. Everybody came together for a watermelon thing. And I'm on my bike in the alleyway, and I'm eating my piece of watermelon. There's Nathan Ham. And he's calling me names, and I just had enough. So I took the rhyme of that watermelon, true story, and I threw it at him, and there was a little branch right about here, and it hit it, and it went down his shirt right back here. <laughs> true story. It was a million one shot. It went down, <laughs> down his shirt, and he's sitting there trying to grab it, and he's shaking his fist at me with one hand, and, you know, trying to grab that piece of watermelon that went down his shirt, and he, I avoided him, and hid for six months after that. Because <laughs> he was out to get me. I'd go the long way to school. Mom, you probably don't remember this, do you? <laughs> don't be a Nathan, all right? Don't be the source of contention and strife and always in an argument or whatever it is. God hasn't called us to that. 
He's called us to be refreshing and joyful. And we're going to see that in just a minute as we continue. And he who has a crooked, deceitful heart, verse 20, finds good. And he who has perverse tongue falls into evil. So crooked heart will find no good, will focus on the negative. And then in verse 21, he who begets a scoffer does so to his sorrow. And the father of a fool has no joy. So a fool brings no joy to anyone. That's obvious. But don't be a scoffer Don't be a scoffer parent or you will beget a scoffer. Do you know that? So you sit at the dinner table. You have a problem with the teacher and parents are going on about the teacher and the kids are sitting there. What do you think they're going to pick up on? And we'll be honest with you once more. This has happened a few times. Families have gone home, parents have gone home, and for lunch they had roast pastor. The pastor this, the pastor that, and their kids are sitting there. Time comes along, they're having problems with their kids. Will you talk to my kids? Love to, want to. But I doubt if I can minister to them. Because what the conversation has been at dinner time that they have no respect for me and they're not going to listen to me. And you see, that can easily happen and we need to be careful. Not just, I'm not saying this to, for my benefit, but for your benefit. When it comes to a relative, it comes to a neighbor, it comes to a teacher, it comes to whoever. Just be careful what your conversation's like. If you're a scoffer parent, Always scoffing and strife and all that. You're going to beget a scoffer is what we're being told here in verse 21. In verse 22, quickly. A merry heart does good like medicine and a broken spirit dries the bones. I love this verse. You know, laughter is the best medicine. You've heard that. It's biblical, isn't it? Biblical, verse 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And maybe you're going through a dry season right now. Because you're broken hearted, broken spirit, and you're thinking, what is it that I do? In my quiet time this morning, I'm going through Ezekiel, was reading Ezekiel 37. And the vision of the valley of the dry bones, and, and Ezekiel, can these bones live? And all of a sudden, it's the foot bones connected to the ankle bone, which connected to the leg bone, which connected to the knee bone, they all started coming together. And there's a skeleton, there's a framework there. And then the skin and the muscles and the tissues come together. And there's a corpse there, that framework is there. Ezekiel, can these bones be made to live? You tell me, Lord. And he breathed life into them. The woman at the well, you drink of the water of the world, you're going to thirst again. You drink of the water that I have to give, you'll never thirst again. And the Father's looking for those to worship in spirit and in truth. You got a broken spirit tonight? Here's the answer. The word of God and the spirit of God working together to refresh you and to renew you. And that's why it's important to read your Bible every day. That's the framework and then being dependent upon the Holy Spirit to guide you, enable you, to renew you, to refresh you, to teach you. 
That's why I always say, read your Bible and pray every day. You know that little song? Going to read my Bible and pray. Going to read my Bible and pray. It's a great way to start the day is to. And you know what you'll find? That joy will start coming back into your heart. Otherwise, you're going to have dry bones. It's real simple. The Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to minister to your heart. Verse 25, a foolish son is uh, griefed to his father, bitterness to her who bore him. So warning against treating those who do right unfairly, unjustly. Also to punish the righteous is not good nor to strike princes for their uprightness. Verse 24 I skipped because I want to talk about it just for a second. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. The reason I like that, wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. Have you ever talked to anybody who said, I went on the other side of the world to see the Dalai Lama (laughs) to get wisdom or went up to the Himalayas to sit there and meditate to try to reach Nirvana and get all this wisdom? It's foolishness. You want wisdom? It's right in front of you. It's right here. The Word of God. It's right in front of you. And the Lord desires for you to grow in it and have wisdom. Now let's go to verse 27. Let's finish up. He who has knowledge bears his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. So what we're being told here is simply giving truth and letting truth speak for itself. And we do it with a calm spirit because we know it to be true. You know, I think the older that we do get in the Lord, that a lot of times it brings just that calmness and just being able to talk and give truth to others. When I was young, I'd get riled up real quick, you know, and start talking. Now there's just a calm spirit, just gentleness and kindness, this work of the Lord that he wants to do, a work of the Spirit in our lives. And then as we finish the chapter, verse 28, even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perspective. Better to keep the mouth closed than to open it. And then people think, boy, you are speaking foolish. That's why we have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> Father, we thank you. We thank you for this chapter and the things that we've gone over. And Lord, I thank you for Proverbs and to consider these things. And uh, Lord, we want to live by wisdom. And Lord, we want to live in a way that, um, Lord, there's blessing and refreshment and um, there's understanding. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the love of the Father and sending the Son in his wisdom and in his love. Jesus going to the cross and dying for our sins. And, Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here tonight that if you want to know the gospel, you want to know how it is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, come and see me after his service. And I want to tell you, I want to give you God's wisdom, but it isn't by your own working. It isn't by your own striving. It's by faith in Jesus Christ who came and died for your sins on that cross, and he rose again after three days. And we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by faith through grace. It's not of ourselves. It's not of works. Lest anyone boast. It's the gift of God. We are saved by faith in him. 
We're saved by faith, by his grace. So surrender to him. And Father, I thank you that we can come and just glean from your word tonight. And I pray if anybody's here has dry bones, a broken spirit, that you minister your comfort to them as they go to you the wonderful counselor, the one who cried out from that hillside, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And come and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Lord, I pray for us as we get out of this place that we would be a blessing to others and walking in the wisdom that you desire for us too. That there be peace in our homes, and Lord, wisdom that come from our mouths and in our lives. So Lord, thank you again for tonight. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen.